Yay, dads. Uh, hey, uh, we have a couple of things that I just want to keep in front of us as we go. Uh, <clears throat> we are in, in the midst and still trying to figure out ways to practice new life. You know, it was about, uh, well, I don't know, a month and a half ago we uh, celebrated Easter. And so it's like, how do we live into the resurrection? How do we bring new life to others? Well, I think part of having a renewed heart, a resensitized heart, is how we uh, practice compassion and generosity. And so we distributed a bunch of gift cards from HEB and some $50 um, cash envelopes. And we just said, man, pray about meeting needs and how can we uh, <clears throat> kind of resensitize our hearts to the, the needs among us. And like the kingdom of heaven on earth, it's not about being grand, but just planting seeds and letting God do the work. So as you are thinking about that, I hope that would be a catalyst uh, for you and, and, a, and a prayer that you just begin to pray. Say, God, open my eyes to help me see the needs and the opportunities around me. Uh, June, Tuesday, June 25th, we have an opportunity that if you are available, we, there's a program called South, uh, South, Side by Side Kids, and they're an after-school program that works with underserved Title I schools, mostly in East Austin, though there's one in uh, uh, Oak Hill as well that they are partnered up with, and they provide after-school programs, um, and they're faith-based. In fact, Austin ISD approached them and said, we want you to take over all of our after-school care programs. And they said, that's an honor, thanks, but no thanks, because one of the things that's central to what they do is the idea that they get to share and articulate the, the gospel message and the love of Christ. And so they've been given a lot of opportunity. And so we've been in kind of growing conversation with them and Clancy and I have met with them and um, she's organizing a day because they, they do a summer thing called um, Summer Scholars because the retention rates during the summer about what kids learn and then preparing for the, for the next grade level. Uh, so there are some opportunity, can you go to uh, next slide? There you go, thanks. Uh, <clears throat> that they run some just kind of uh, very relational but fun tutoring on core subjects. And if you have time from... Uh, on a Tuesday from 12.30 to 4, uh, to Clancy, and um, she's going to organize a group to go. Uh, and so if you want to participate that, they run it all week long, well, Monday through Thursday. Uh, but on Tuesday, she's going to be going. And um, we're just trying to kind of dip our toe in the water and figure out if this is a, a kind of a strategic partnership that we want to continue with. But even if you have kids, um, you can bring kids with you. And, and they said that's okay, and they can be a part of that classroom experience. Uh, because, again, um, <clears throat> when we practice compassion, what we're really saying is, I'm not helping those less served. What I'm doing is recognizing that we all have needs and their needs are simply different than my own. And so uh, a lot of these kids are, are really bright kids and we've sat in on, on classroom time with them, uh, full of life, but um, maybe both parents are working and they don't have the opportunity to get some of the added um, tutoring and coaching. And so this is just a, a one-off day that we're gonna participate in. And then uh, we're hosting a youth event uh, on um, Tuesday, July the 2nd. We wanted to go tube San Marcos and we wanted to plan it a little earlier in the day because when you tube through a university campus, what we found is that after two o'clock, the PG rating gets lost with college students. <laughs> and so uh, if, if you are kind of sixth grade and above, we're, we're gonna plan a day uh, to go down there and do a picnic. It's, we've done this a bunch of times with our family and it is so much fun. You get to the end and they have these kind of rapids, the shoots uh, that you go through. And so it goes from a, a really 
kind of lazy river to uh, rapids. And uh, you just loop around and keep doing that a bunch of times. Fun day. Uh, and then lastly, uh, I mentioned this, we are planning our fall retreat. Now I know everyone's totally focused on um, summer vacation, but if you would think about putting down a $100 deposit, we're still working out the finances on it. We're looking to get four log cabins. It's an hour away in Burnett, really nice facilities, but we wanted to have a fall retreat that first weekend of November. Uh, we, we, we started this last year and it was a great experience, but we're just trying to improve on it a little bit, namely not driving three hours on a Friday afternoon. And so this is just an hour away and the accommodations are just awesome. And so we're hoping to have at least four uh, log cabins with one kind of per tribe. And so if you would put a $100 uh, deposit down, that would give us the ability to start doing some reservations. And we're going to create kind of different price points for a family, for a couple, and an individual as well. So, well, today I wanted to do something a little bit different. I knew Father's Day, we might get uh, some travelers. So we're going to keep our kids in with us today. And I want to have some fun. So I'm wondering if I could have some kids join me on the front row because I won't embarrass you and I won't make you sing out loud, but I would love some company up front because I want to talk to you about some things that I think are really um, significant today. So can I have a couple of kiddos and, and maybe like if, if you want to join me, you? Uh, come on. Come, come What? No one's going to play my game? Oh my gosh, we got a bunch of crickets. Oh my goodness. Whoops. Okay. Uh, oh man, what is this like? Try, mom, this is what it feels like when a mom goes to the mall and has to convince them to sit on Santa's lap. Sit in the front row with Pastor Dave. Here, no, just sit down. You're not going to, uh, just sit, sit on your dad's lap or something like that. Um, Grandma, would you bring Ramsey up here? Because she needs to be in the front row because she's playing hard to get. Don't mess with me, girl. Uh, come on, come on. Okay, how many know what this is? How many, come on, what is it? Come on, come on. Celery, maybe? Taste it and see what it is. Maybe you could chew on it. Asparagus! Oh, you don't even get an asparagus. They're, they're, they're actually chocolate-coated. You just can't see it. Um, uh, how many like vegetables? King kids. Yeah, so um, no hands went up on the front row. Uh, what's your favorite vegetable? Do you have one? Carrots. Carrots not cooked, because I like the crunch. Me too. I think the same as you. Well, one of the things about asparagus is um, a lot of people don't really like asparagus, but the reason I wanted to show you asparagus isn't to talk about asparagus at all. I wanted to talk about something called an agave plant. An agave plant is actually related to the asparagus. And um, the reason that's significant is, is um, there's a picture that I want to show you of an asparagus plant that I was reading about. And what happens in an asparagus, and, and there's really neat things. Sometimes they're called the century plant. You know why they're called the century plant? Because they spend their whole life growing, 
And, and this one in particular is 80 years old. And at 80 years old, it starts to bloom. And at the end of it, you get these blossoms. And then at the very end of its life, it falls over and it dies. And that's it. It spends 80 years becoming an adult only to die like that. So really like 97% of its life is as a kid. So humans grow up and really after you get to the size of like or age of 25, you're only going to grow out, but you quit growing up. You get like the wedding rolls or what I call the dad look. And, and all of a sudden, it doesn't look as pretty. But when you're little and you're growing and kids, people go, oh my gosh, you're getting so big. And, and people say that to you. But when you're not an asparagus, but an aguave, because it comes from the same family, it's sort of like a cousin. And there's a lot of neat things that come out of the aguave. So that you get, because it's really like, if you break it in half, it's, see how it tears like that? You get fibers from rope, for ropes and stuff. And then you can get things like a kind of a gross drink, an adult drink called Mezcal. And it's kind of nasty, so you should never, never drink it. Um, <laughs> but you see how it kind of peels, kind of like string cheese, uh, but it's got all of these fibers. And it's, it's, it's got a lot of really interesting uses. In fact, you know what that becomes? Try and just take a bite of your asparagus. Go, what does that taste like? Does it taste good at all? kind of doesn't taste like anything. But you know what we get from agave or from a we get sweetener. Have you ever had agave sweetener? Who wants to try it? Who likes sweet, like candy sweet? Yeah, it's like honey. Watch this. Try that. Stick that in your mouth, kid. Come on. Here, try that. Oh yeah, Corbin's doing it. A student. Try that. Tell me what you think. It's like it's like honey. Does that taste like more? You know what we should do is we should just put it on, on that and then now it tastes better. <laughs> See, if you just put it on your asparagus and you just reunite, and you better like that. Now you wish you're in the front row. Are you ready to try it? Come on, sweet girl. You want to try it? You want to try it? Well, here's the thing. They call it the hundred year or the century plant because it can grow up to like 20, 25 feet hot. In fact, this one at the University of Michigan, they went and got it in 1934 from Mexico. And they brought it and it looked about like this. And they brought it back to their greenhouse in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is very, very different than Mexico. It gets super cold there. And, um, but they put it in this greenhouse and it just kept growing and it just kept growing. In fact, go to the other picture. It outgrew the greenhouse and it grew right past it. So it spends so much of its life growing and growing. And then when it gets to its peak, it blooms, it blossoms, it falls and it dies. That's the end. Isn't that weird? except it doesn't really die because when it dies, it has tons of genetically identical seeds that get scattered around. And so new life comes. Even though that stalk passes away, all these other seeds get planted because of like 80 years of growing. 
It's a really neat thing that happens. And so the reason I tell you that is, let me ask you guys a question. This is a kid question, even if you're sitting not in the front row and I'm mad at you. How old do you have to be to be a grown-up? Like, what age do you become a grown-up? Corbin. 18. 18. What happens at 18? Like, you can vote, you go to college. What, what would you say? Like, how old do you have to be to be a grown-up? 19? Yeah. What would you say, Ace? 20. Yeah. Yeah, because you're, you're old enough, like you kind of, like you could drive yourself around, um, you could make some really bad choices and have to live with the consequences. So, you know, mom and dad can't just get at you out of it and stuff like that. They can't call and complain to the principal or anything. Um, let me ask you this. If you're a kid here, what do you look forward to about growing up the most? Yes, Ace. Um, getting to drive. That is a fun thing. Sutter, what do you look forward to about growing up the most? I see that hand in the air. You've got something to say. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Getting your own pet. Oh, okay, I like that. Uh, Ella, what would you say? What do you look forward to growing up? Owning a dance studio? Um, I was going to say maybe getting to dye your hair outside of your parents' permission, but we're already fully accepted. <clears throat> okay, uh, let me ask you a, kind of a tricky question. What do you think, kids? I'm glad that you like, there's, there's, more, there's more asparagus where that came from. <laughs> what do you think makes your parents most proud of you? When do you feel like they're the most proud of your choices? Yeah. When you clean your room. That makes my heart so happy. Corbin, when are mom and dad like most? When you try new foods, because your parents are foodies. They're interesting eaters, and they want to make you an interesting kid. Yes, Ace. When you do chores for them. Do you do chores for them, or do you do chores because you're all in the same family? Chores for them, yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, well, um, uh, so then, um, what do you think it is? Now, this is just not just mom and dad. What do you think makes a great child? Anyone? Anyone? Kids? Yes, Ace? Yeah, so if you, like, one of the great qualities about being a child is that you can fit into small spaces. Like, if you watch Guardians of the Galaxy, you know that Star-Lord could fit into small spaces. I'll just throw that out there for my son's sake. Uh, um, he appreciated my humor, and it's Father's Day, I take liberties. Uh, what, what do you think makes a child great? Anyone? Anyone? Yes, Ace. Um, growing up? Yeah. I think that's a really significant thing, is because when you look at a child, even though you can't really see it, the thing about a child is they're growing. Grown-ups kind of quit growing physically. Grown-ups have to figure out other ways 
to keep growing. But when you're a kid, everything's new and you're always learning and there's always a new grade and there's always a new school year and you always keep physically getting a little taller and you're losing teeth and growth is so obvious, it actually is the most natural thing in the world. And then the problem is, is that when you become a grown-up, it's super easy to stop growing. So let me ask moms and dads one question, and then we're going to look at a passage of scripture. And I want to ask moms that what do you miss most about being a child? Ella's mom, what do you miss most about being a child? Being able to play without watching the clock. What else? Yes, Grandma. <gasps> Is there any kids here who feel stressed tonight? Oh, good. We have good, healthy kids. What do you miss most about being a kid? No responsibilities. Taking care of my own toys. That's, that's about it. What do you miss most about being a kid? innocence yes there's something about just being a little sheltered a little coddled a, a little protected and and naive that is beautiful anyone else yes yeah so in the old days like 10 years ago there, were, there, there was a society that still largely existed without smartphones. Because who actually makes calls on their phone anymore? Uh, that is just a, a pocket computer. That, that's not something I talk on, for the most part. So uh, the, 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 the passage that I want to look at tonight is Jesus was asked about what is the... Who is the greatest in the kingdom of, uh, of heaven? And, and, and Jesus had a statement where he said, um, actually, it's the kids. And so my question to both grown-ups and adults, this is the last question, is why do you think Jesus would say that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is like a child? <laughs> why, what, what, what makes Jesus say you're the, mo the greatest in the kingdom? Why do you think that is? Yeah, Ace. Um, because they're like more um, playful. They're more playful. I think so. There's something about being a kid that, like, if you just share and play nice, it's pretty easy to make friends. But like grown-ups have a harder time making friends, especially when they don't have kids, because not all grown-ups play nice. Yeah. Kind of true. What else? Does anyone else want to take that? Why does Jesus bother to say that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is like a child? Yeah, Clancy. Lack of pride. Yeah, there, there's sort of this... Um, they don't know what they don't know, so they don't know to be insecure. They don't, they, they don't know. I mean, you've got varieties or variants of, of shyness, but, but, but there's, 
no pride, a willingness to kind of trust, right? Well, let's look at a passage of scripture. Does anyone want to read the scripture? Like, do I have any good kids that are readers? Oh, do you know how to read, Ace? Like, super loud? Okay, why don't you start reading where it says, at that time. And then, Hudson, if you think you want to read, we have a next screen that we can read, okay? If you think so. Okay, can you stand up and real loud belt it out for us? Okay, because these grown-ups need help. Okay, don't let them fall asleep by listening to you. Okay, that, that's my job. Go ahead. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child upon them. And, and he said, truly I tell Whoa. Truly I tell you, that was good reading. Okay, does someone else want to do some reading? Do you want to try it, Hudson? You think you got this? Okay. Lowly, yeah. joking me that was some outstanding reading holy moly i'm gonna let you guys read from now on because you guys read super good uh now here's a couple of things that we just need to talk about in the ancient world and this has nothing to do with day today but rank and social status was super super important people cared where they ranked in society and the only ones that could advance in society were the ones who had money. But if you didn't have money, it was really hard to get more money. It would be like, I could work today, but everything I earn today would only be used to put food on my table today. But it's not like you could save up and save up and save up. There was just no way to keep getting further in rank unless you were called noble or you were part of the aristocracy. That's a crazy word for like people thought they were really important in their society. But there was no opportunity for really advancement. And, and so um, rank was often because of who you were born to, maybe your age, possibly your gender, or maybe how well you advanced in knowing the law. And many, many Jewish people believed because they were kind of the lowest. Um, they kept being captured by other nations. Many Jewish people hoped that they would get a new status in the world to come, that when they got a savior or a messiah, that their rank in society would grow. And so they start having this discussion about 
who was the most important. And, and many Jewish people would hope for this new status in the world to come, not based on how much money I had or not based on if I was born to a royal person, but based on faithfulness to God's covenant law and love. That's what they were hoping for. So you have these disciples, these people that are following around Jesus, and then they start having a conversation. And they ask the question to Jesus, Jesus, who's going to be the greatest in your kingdom? What are they saying? Can I be most important? All of a sudden, they're playing by the world's rules. They wanted to have the fancy car. They wanted to have the big house. They wanted to be the really important person. They wanted to be, have like celebrity status. They wanted to be famous. It was the wrong set of values. And Jesus does something and he brings a child, bring me a child. And he says, the greatest in the kingdom would be like a child. Now, here's what's interesting. This is Matthew chapter 18. One chapter before, I don't know how many of you are aware of what happens right before this, but Jesus has his 12 disciples and they go up to what's called the Mountain of Transfiguration. It was a special time where God was going to meet, or Jesus was going to meet with God, and there was going to be appearance of Elijah, uh, and there were, it, it was like this super holy of holies moment. But Jesus didn't take all 12 of the disciples. He looked at all of the disciples and he says, Peter, James, and John, I just want you three to come with me. And if you were like the other nine, you kind of felt snubbed. You're like, oh, I thought I had been chosen by Jesus and I thought my rank was improving and now I just got snubbed. I understand that the Romans snub us. I understand that they tax us. I understand that they take our land even though it was promised to us. But now Jesus, who I've left everything to follow, just left me out. And Peter, James, and John get to go up the mountain without me. So they're like, huh. So then just a little while later, they're like, hey, Jesus, um, what does it take to be great in your kingdom? Like, can I be more important than the next guy? And all of a sudden, they're trying to improve their rank, even among the disciples. And Jesus brings, and he talks about answering, and, and he, what he wants to say is answering the greatest in the kingdom, Jesus puts a child right in the midst of them. Now, children were, were supposed to have their place, but it wasn't a place of importance because kids, what do they know? And Jesus like, oh, they know a whole lot. And he puts them right in their very important meeting. And he says, there's so much we can learn from a child. Because all of you have stopped growing as grown-ups. And the thing about being a child is they're still growing. Because what are they learning to do? Learning to trust. It's most natural for a child to trust. And the hardest thing to do when you're a grown-up is to keep trusting. So Jesus puts a child in the middle of them and he says, I want you to be great like a child because a child, I trust that my mom and dad love me. I trust that they're going to take care of me. I trust that they're going to provide for me. And so a child is held up as an ideal of humility and unconcern of social status because with humility always comes trust and what this text implies it says he talks about unless you change 
and become like a little child. It literally means to turn. In other words, to turn from your present attitude about trying to be more important than the next kid. Do you guys ever have, like, in your class, like, the class all lines up and everyone wants to be at the front of the line? Everyone's trying to be the closest to the teacher and they want to be maybe like the hall monitor or the door monitor. They want to be that. Okay, all the disciples are like lining up because they're going to be walking out and they're all trying to get to the front of the line. And Jesus is like, "Mm -mm. this is like the kid at the back of the line. This is like the least important person, but in the kingdom of heaven, it's the greatest. And so let me just say this, moms and dads, humility isn't thinking lowly of ourselves but accurately. Humility is not thinking lowly, but accurately. Humility owns who we are, our strengths and our weaknesses, and we use that, we steward that. See, playing it small, as I was told to me, oh, David, you're so good at that. No, oh, it's no big deal. No, playing it small isn't noble. But owning it under God, how I will use this gift for his glory, that's humility, and that becomes greatness. See, I think few of us would argue about the beauty of childhood, <coughs> but, but what then makes a child great in God's kingdom? See, I would say this, as a parent, um, probably the thing that brought me the greatest joy of, 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 as a parent is when my kids don't act childish. See, most times parents just light up. They get most proud when, when their kids do something that is beyond their age. So like, if you like stand up and read, and even though you're like four, right? Aren't you four? Yeah, you're, because you're, you're th- you wear diapers, don't you? No, no, like, are you like 16? Oh, how old are you? Okay, so you probably read like an 11-year-old, and so all of a sudden your parents sit up a little straight and they're like, I'm so proud of Ace. He, he's such a good reader. And so this is how it is, is most parents light up because their kids act beyond their age. It means that they were good at sharing or they were good at not complaining or they're good at waiting their turn or being like acting as friends or not whining. And when I see that our kids act in such a way towards each other as well, I find this really hopeful. I find this really promising, not because they're doing it for me, but because they're experimenting with this new desire about how it considers others. See, a child, and we're talking about the greatness, what makes a child great? A child isn't simply about age or innocence. The greatness of the kingdom of heaven on earth are those who look out for the most vulnerable. See, all children need an advocate um, because all children are supposed to grow up to be an advocate. This is what it looks like to keep growing even into adulthood. Who are we advocating for? As Christians, as Christ followers, we can't just advocate for our own interests. We just can't advocate for what brings our immediate surroundings an immediate return on our investment. We are called to be an advocate for the least of these people who can never repay us. So every child, the beauty of a child is that a child needs an advocate because hopefully that child will grow up to become an advocate. Jesus puts a child in the midst of them, signifying that the process of growing, not the result, is what's significant. Growth is the most natural thing for a child. The questions, the curiosity, the 
the lack of, of pride, uh, and all of this, the, the dreaming. Adults, I think, tend to grow old because of ambition and, a, and an increasing inability to trust that God provides. How, and this is my question for us, how is God parenting you? I love the picture of an asparagus, really an agave, that it spends its whole life. I mean, like 98% of its life is all about growing. And once it blooms, it keels over and dies, except all these beautiful seeds get spread that are genetically identical to it. I wish my life could look a little bit more like this, where I keep growing. And even though I physically stop growing, I keep growing because I'm growing in the ability to trust that God is still in control even when I feel out of control. And I can grow and continue to learn how to be a better advocate for everyone uh, else around me. Let's pray about it. Our Father in heaven, I thank you that when you said who's great in your kingdom, you put a child right in the middle of them and you said, this is what I want your life to look like. So I pray that you would teach us how to follow you and for those of us who are struggling to trust you more, I pray that you would open our eyes to the needs, to the opportunity, to the doubts, to the regrets, mm -hmm. to the fears, and you would begin to heal the memory of love lost. And I pray that you would, as a heavenly father, guide us in growing ways. Teach us what it means to have a childlike faith. Teach us what it means to grow and advocate for others because you constantly advocate for us. Mm -hmm. Thank you that in your kingdom, it's upside down and the greatest in it might be the most vulnerable among them and you say that's a beautiful thing. So I pray that we would see our need and we would grow in not self-sufficiency but mm -hmm. soul sufficiency in you. Help us to grow in our dependence on you like the faith of a child, in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, Amen. 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 All the kids yelled, Amen. Amen, Amen. Hudson, yay.